months ago, a couple months ago, we were at a particular service over in Bethlehem at New Covenant with ministry leaders from the One Voice Pastors Network, and we had a prophetic minister come in. His name was Dwayne White and his wife, Chris, and they ministered to each church, to their leaders. And so we were there with our some of our leadership folks, and he ministered to us. And one of the things that he said to us, the word that he gave us, is, are you ready to begin again? He asked us that. Are we ready to begin again? The Lord was asking us, are we ready to begin again? Because the Lord wants to give us a new beginning here, new beginnings. And, of course, I, I'm ready for that. I, I'm ready for new things. God is, God is always into new things. He always wants to do new things. And so, in response to that... The Lord wants us to prepare new wineskin. Part of the word was he wants us to prepare new wineskin for him to, to give us the new wine. And we actually have been in the process, trying, beginning, working on a process of changing some things, organizing things, getting some things in place that we hadn't had in place before. We're still in the process of doing that and preparing to receive from him the things that he wants to give us. But he does, he does want to have us begin again. So, I, I, And I've thought about that. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that, of, of things like this, but I've seen things in the church since I've been a pastor. I've heard things, I've seen things, observed things, and heard them from different places. And every once in a while, there's folks within a church that are looking for, they're looking for more. And then you hear about some, some folks that break away from the church because they're going to do church differently. They know how to do it better, and it happens a lot. Little churches pop up all over the place, and so these folks start, and in five, ten years, you know what that church looks like? Pretty much like every other church that's around, right? And even at times, we can have that same kind of a desire of, you know, we just, we want to do what God wants, and so let's determine, let's set the vision, even if it's a five-year, ten-year, and we're actually working on one-year plan, five-year plan, possibly a 10-year plan for here at New Beginnings Fellowship. But for some reason, somewhere along the line, the vision kind of dies. It gets stale. And in five years, you look back and you go, well, we're maybe 2% different than we were five years ago. What happened? What is it about churches that they just get stale? Why is it that even churches that have a magnificent vision or a new vision, or something really creative that in five or ten years you go and they're just kind of like all the other churches. And the only reason I'm saying that is because God is an amazing God who's incredibly creative, and he loves variety. He loves variety. He's always doing something different. And so what is it that happens to us that we kind of... Who kills that vision? Or how does it get stale? Or how do we guard against it? So that's what I want to talk about this morning. How do we keep <clears throat> fresh vision? And we could blame the enemy. We could say the enemy kills vision. But, you know, honestly, there are times that he doesn't need a whole lot of help. <laughs> we kind of do it ourselves. We do a lot of things to ourselves. And, and, and anyway... I was thinking about this, and so we're going to talk about some stories from the book of Exodus from Moses and when the people of Israel 
were coming out of slavery in Egypt and moving toward the promised land and the process that God took them through and some of the things that happened. And I'm going to challenge you this morning with a few things. So one of the first things that God did when he took the Israelites out of Egypt is they went to Mount Sinai. And uh, there, there were some things that God wanted to put in place. Understand that the Israelites didn't know God that well. It had been 400 years since he really spoke to them. I mean, it was their, their ancestors, their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who the Lord really dealt with. Joseph was one who became a leader in, in Egypt, and we know that story. But for 400 years, they were slaves in Egypt, and Moses takes them out, and God takes them to Mount Sinai. Why does he take them to Mount Sinai? Because he wants to get them to understand who he is, to know who he is, to get to know him. And so he gives the Ten Commandments, and he gives the tabernacle worship. He institutes worship, and he, and he gives them some laws, some rules for governing their life uh, together as a nation. He wants to give them order, and so he takes them to uh, Mount Sinai begins to do that, and that's kind of what we're doing here. We're, we're re-looking at all the things that we do and reorganizing. We're trying to establish guidelines and, and things to put in order for us here at New Beginnings Fellowship. But he wanted the people to know him, and that's really our primary, our primary focus. We talked about this last week, that God wants us to know him. I'm married almost 40 years, and I thought I pretty well knew my wife before I married her, but I knew there would be more that I would learn about her. I've been married almost 40 years, and I still don't really know her, everything about her. I'm still trying to figure things out. She's still trying to figure things out about me. And so there's this ongoing revelation of who we are and how we do things, why we do things. And God wants us to get to know him. And there's a process that he takes us through. But sometimes we fight and we rebel against that. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, but here's, here's the problem. Here's, the, here's what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to illustrate this, but here's what causes our, our growth in the Lord sometimes to get stale and stop. And even as a church. And, and when I say this, just give me a chance to explain it. A lot of times we try to understand God rather than just discover him. What do I mean by that? It happens all the time. We have a situation come up in our lives. We, we pray. We press into God. We want answers. He answers in an amazing way. He gets us through the difficulty. And what do we do? We try to codify, we try to take how he moved in that situation and we try to turn it into a formula so that the next time something happens, we know what to do. Right? Is that, is that kind of what we do? It's like, okay, okay, I know when I have this problem, if I pray this way, I will get this result. Right? Guess who doesn't like that? <laughs> I wouldn't say doesn't like it, but that's not the way he does things. He does, he, why is that a problem? Why is that a problem for us that, that we, want, we want to understand God, we want to understand his ways? It's because we want him to do what we want him to do when we want him to do it. Rather than living in a relationship with him where we're sensitive to his leading and we're ready and willing to do whatever he calls us to do. 
we have this tendency as human beings to want God to serve us instead of us serving him. And so early on in my Christian walk, in my walk with the Lord, I really wanted to understand him. And I really wanted to understand him so that I could just figure out all the, all the formulas to make life work really well. I thought, if I can just catalog all the good things that, that God wants to do, I can, I, can, boy, I can put this all down, and when I have a need, do this, and then I can teach other people that. I can teach them that when you know, they have this need, I got it, go to the, look at this verse, and here, you just pray this way, and boom, you got the answer. It, it, it's like, and, it, and, it, doesn't, and it, it doesn't work that way. And so it's almost like, we can almost treat God like an ATM machine. Like if you go, you take your card, you put it in, you punch in your PIN number, and boom, out comes the cash. Like, and he doesn't work that way. It used to frustrate me. I thought, I thought I had this figured out, and now it's not, it's not working. Now what? And I have to pursue God again to get the revelation that I need for this particular situation. Why? And why, does, why is that important to God? It's important to him because he's so big. He's so multifaceted. He so wants us to know and understand him in new ways. He wants us to discover new things about him. It's like he wants to take us on a journey and show us new things day by day by day by day so that we will be in awe of him, so that we will honor him for who he is, so that we won't try to figure him out, because as soon as we get him figured out or try to figure him out, then we got him in our back pocket, and, and he's just our ready-made. He's, he's our God because we've made him a particular way. And you know, he doesn't work that way. He doesn't work that way. He, he wants us to come to him so that we can discover more about him but what happens in churches is churches will sometimes discover something that is a key for them and it becomes a a mark on their ministry that this is what they do this is what they're good at and what they've done and we can have a tendency to do it too i'm not saying i'm perfect i'm just throwing this out here for us to consider and to think about and to challenge you personally some churches are are really good at healing or they're good at 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 deliverance or they're good at helping people with marriage problems or they're good with this or that and somehow multifaceted in certain ways but they have this program I'm not saying the programs are bad i'm not saying that you know because we we have some here that we run but when we stop learning and when we think we've got a handle on it completely that's when we run into trouble that's where we begin to get stale and i think god wants think about it do you think that God wants, basically, wants churches all to be the same. Now, I know there's variations in worship style and different things, but if you were a complete outsider that never went to church anywhere and just started visiting churches, you know what? They'd all kind of be about the same. And I just wonder, is that what God, is that what God wants? And part, see, part of what happens is when we, dis, when we learn things and we come to understand things about God and we think, now we've got it, we tend to stop in our pursuit of him. We slow down or we stop pursuing him for, for new and greater revelation in different areas, in particular things. We think, okay, now I've got it. We don't have it because God always has 
something else that he could show us, something else he could teach us, something else he wants to reveal to us. He wants us to grow and expand in our relationship with him, and we have to be willing to do that. And then, well, let's just... Let's just give a couple examples of the way God, the, the way God works and tries to keep us honest. You know, he tries to keep us honest. God comes to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to lead the people of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. You're my man. And Moses tries to argue his way out of him. And, and God says, nope, you're the guy. Here, throw your staff down, turns into a snake. Do this. You're my man. You're my man. You're my man. Here we go. You're my man. So Moses is... Tells his, his father-in-law, I'm going to Egypt to rescue the Israelites from bondage. And he's on his way and God stops him. God stops him and tries to kill him. <laughs> he tries to kill him. Why does he try to kill him? Because he had two sons with Zipporah, Jethro's daughter, and he never circumcised them. And so Zipporah comes up and she gets a knife and she circumcises the two sons I don't know how old they are. They could have been 20, 30 years old. Moses had been a shepherd for 40 years. And she, and she flings the knife down and Moses says, you're a man of blood. And she goes back to her dad. And Moses goes to Egypt by himself. Now, does God like Moses or doesn't he? Does he want him to live or does he want him to die? What's the answer to that? You know what the answer is? Yes. The answer is yes. Why didn't God deal with that before? You know what? You can't, make a, you, can't, you can't make a formula out of that, right? You understand what I'm saying? You can't make a formula and say, okay, this is the way God works. You don't know how he works in whatever situation you're facing. You can't compare it that way. You can't say, well, this is the way it's got to be because this is the way he does things. You don't know that. I think that's why those things are in the Bible. That used to really bother me. I used to say... It must be that I just don't understand the Bible well enough. I need to study it more so I can finally understand. There's got to be a key somewhere that, so that I can mesh these two things together so that it works. And you know what? They don't. Why? Because God is way bigger than we are, and it's impossible for us to understand him. We just have to be settled about that. He's huge. He's big. He's God. He has ways of doing things that we can't wrap our brains around, and we have to be okay with that. So here we are. Moses goes back to Egypt, and he's talking to Pharaoh, and the fourth plague comes along, and the, and the plague is darkness. Darkness covers the whole land of Egypt, but it doesn't affect the Israelites. The darkness is so thick, it's so heavy, it's so oppressive that the, the Egyptians don't do anything. They're afraid to move. They can't penetrate the darkness. And yet where the Israelites are, it's light. And so what happens for the Israelites? Well, they had a vacation. They had like three days off because the Egyptians didn't bother them, didn't make them make bricks, didn't do anything to challenge them. The Israelites had a vacation. Okay? Man, God really blessed the Israelites, right? He really he gave them a vacation. Three days in, the darkness ends. Guess what? They go back to making bricks. And looking for straw, scrounging all over the place. So God, do you love the Israelites or don't you love the Israelites? Are you giving them a break or are you not giving them a break? Why don't you take that slave labor? You, you gave them three days off, but, but they're still oppressed in, in slavery. 
do you love them or don't you love them? Do you care? Do you, you want them to be free or don't you want them to be free? What's the answer? The answer is yes. And God does what God does. And we want to try to figure him out, but he doesn't want us to figure him out. He wants us to walk in relationship with him and to trust him and to draw strength from him for whatever we're facing and to not try to understand, but to learn to discover him in new things. There are things that God wants to reveal about himself that will give us amazing breakthroughs that will help us to do great exploits. He wants to release those kinds of things. But he doesn't want to release those kinds of things to people who will right away try to package it and then sell it like this is our thing. I, somebody said this one time. I don't know if this will sound ring true to you or not. But um, when Christianity began, it was a fellowship. And then it moved to Greece. And when it moved to Greece, it became a philosophy. And then when it moved from Greece to Italy, it became an institution. And then when Christianity moved to Europe, it became a culture. And then when Christianity moved to America, it became a business. And we could sell it. Jesus designed the church to be a body, to be a living organism. And we have to really come to terms with how we um, think about our relationship with God and begin to... Listen, I'd like to get rid of the hard stuff. I'd like to, I'd like, to like make it go away. But it, you know what? It doesn't go away. I, could, I don't know how to get rid of it. It's there. It's because there's something really... Enriching, powerful, amazing when we just worship God for who he is and allow him to be God the way he wants to be God. And he will release more and more of himself and more and more of his power and more and more of his creativity and more and more of his wealth and all kinds of things when we let him be God and we just honor him and worship him. So then the next thing that happened Does God want us to think or to listen? It was time for Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. Now, Moses had been a a military leader in Egypt. Actually, secular history tells us that he was a general and he had a, a huge victory over the Ethiopians with the Egyptian army. So he was a guy who understands, who understood all those logistics for fighting and for managing large amounts of people. So when he goes out, he starts leading the people. God didn't necessarily give them any direction when they first left Egypt. And for three days, they're going right where Moses thought they should go. And then God comes along and taps them on the shoulder and says, I want you to go that way. And Moses is like, okay. So he goes and they go to this place where they're at the Red Sea and the mountains, and there's no other way out. And the Egyptians come right behind him. And the people have no escape. And so Moses has the people complaining to him, murmuring, and he cries out to God and says, God, help us, God, what do you want us to do? And God comes down to Moses and says, why are you crying to me? You ever been there? ever been there? God takes you someplace, and it's, and it's like, oh, what are you doing? And God says, why are you crying to me? You do something. 
So is Moses supposed to think on his own or supposed to listen? What's the answer? Yes. So what does Moses do? He lifts, out, he lifts up his rod, the water parts, the people go across. And there's an amazing victory. I hope you're getting the point. I, hope, I think that we've all experienced these things in a relationship with God where we come to these puzzling times like we're not really sure what to do. I'm not really sure what direction to take. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to go this way or that way. I don't know what he wants for me to do. But God, God is God, and he has a way of helping us if we're truly open to him, of revealing something really neat about himself. So what happened as a result of that? The Egyptians were wiped out. God destroyed the Egyptian army and set the Israelites free so that they were free to go where they needed to go. And so they took off and they started doing different things. And next thing you know, the Amalekites come. The Amalekites were some folks that lived in the land. They came, they started attacking Israel. So Moses says, okay, what are we going to do? Joshua, take some men and let's try to fight. And I'm going to go up on the mountain. So he goes up on the mountain and the Amalekites are winning. And then the Israelites are winning. And then the Amalekites are winning. And the Israelites are winning. And... Moses is like, what do I do? So he holds his rod up, and he holds it up again, like he did over the sea, you know? He's gonna, I'm going to hold the rod up. And as they held the rod up, the Israelites would win. And they get tired, and he put it down, the Amalekites would start to win. So they put a boulder there so he could sit down, and bent Aaron and her held his arm up. And as long as he held his arm up, so what, does God rescue us from our enemies, or doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> yes. The answer is yes. Hmm. All right, I'll do one more, okay? One more? I'll do one more. Does God do welfare or doesn't he do welfare? People are in the, in the wilderness for 40 years and he provides manna for them. He gives them food every day. Well, six days a week. Twice as much on Saturdays, or twice as much on Friday, so they have it for the Sabbath. And 40 years, he gives them food to eat, provides for them. Public welfare, you know, coming from the top. They come to the Jordan River, they cross the Jordan River, and the manna stops. So now you have an army of however many million ready to conquer the land and they have no food. So God starts welfare. He stops welfare. Is he for welfare or not for welfare? The answer is yes. Why did he stop the food when they got into the land? It said when they, when they crossed the Jordan that the people began to eat the fruit of the land, but I don't know how much was around. Why do you think he did that? Because now they had to fight to get the food. Instead of taking years and years and years to conquer the land, they were in a hurry to get it done. So that they could, partly so that they could survive. And so we, we think about the way that we walk in relationship with God. And the things that he wants to do. And he wants us to discover new things about him all the time. He wants us to be a representation of who he is. And he doesn't want us to look like everybody else. He doesn't want us to 
do the same things. He wants us to do new and different things. He wants us to stay fresh and alive in our relationship with him. So a couple things that stop us in, in keeping our relationship with God fresh and alive is, first of all, we try to understand him so that we can package what he does so that we can manipulate him. The other thing that can happen is we just get frustrated with the process and we say, oh, I can't figure this out anyway. I'm just going to give up and just do the best I can on my own. But in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, it says, but the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. People who know him, who understand how he, how he works, that, not that understand his ways, understand him so that I can encapsulate him and formulize him and make him do what I want. But those people who come into relationship with him and allow him to be God and let him be who he is in every situation in our lives, to grow in our sensitivity to him. He wants us to grow in that sensitivity. He wants us to be able to hear him and sense where he's going and what he's doing. And he doesn't mind throwing us curveballs. Matter of fact, I think we need to anticipate curveballs. I think we need to anticipate that it's not always the same. It usually isn't the same. It's usually different. And if we can acclimate ourselves to that, to the way that God likes to do things, and even to say that is like trying to put him in a box. You know, it's really hard to... God's not trying to get out of the box. He doesn't even know what a box is. He is who he is. We try to put him in confined spaces so that we can be in control and that's not what he's about so how do we stay fresh we pursue him and we don't stop we don't stop because we thought think we finally got just enough answers for us to be comfortable but we continue to pursue him we continue to discover new things about him we continue to look for his uh, answers in different ways. And now we can think, and we're, we're big on principles. And I like to talk about principles from his word, and we can apply principles. But here's the thing about principles. Principles are good. We can learn truth from the word. We can, we can understand what God's trying to, to do in certain situations, based on his principles. But the thing about principles is we can tend to depend on them too much. And sometimes God wants to shed new light on a principle that we already know to reveal a new facet of who he is and the way that he works. And so even when we formulate principles that come from the word, he likes to mess with those too. Not that he changes them, but he sheds new light on them a new application or a new way to apply it or a new, a new possibility that we hadn't even thought about before of taking a principle from his word and applying it to the situation that we have. And we know that that happens. Sometimes we're praying and praying and praying the Holy Spirit will give us a verse and we'll read a verse with new light, new vision, new understanding. And we just speak it out and God changes the circumstances. And like, wow. That was awesome. But instead of enshrining that in like, now I've got it, we need to like stick a pin in the map, remember that, and move on. 
okay, what's next? What's next? What do you have that's new for me? I'm ready. I'm ready. And when, when God finds a people who walk with him in that kind of partnership, life becomes incredibly exciting, fulfilling, expanding, creative. The kind of things I think that we're really looking for. He wants us to be different, but not different for just the sake of being different. Um, not nonconformity just to be known as a nonconformist. You know, there's a difference. I want to be different because we, know, we have come to understand God in a new way, a different way, where we allow him to be God and we don't try to make him fit into our understanding. We don't try to make him do things like, but this is your word, so you have to do this. You have to do it the way I understand it. You have to do it the way I see it. No, he doesn't. We need to come to him and say, okay, God, here's my situation. Open my eyes enough to see a new facet of you that is the answer or the solution to the situation that I'm facing. Reveal yourself to me in this situation. What new thing do you want, to, do you want me to see about you? And that changes everything. And so as we think about new beginnings and as we think about what we're doing here and what God wants for us, And he said to us just a few months ago, are you ready to begin again? Are we ready to begin again? Are we ready? Are we willing to let him be God? Are we willing to let him do things his way? Are we willing to study the scriptures, to know them well so that when he point something out to us we're familiar with it and we we have a good understanding of moving forward with it or do we or do we want to do what so many other folks have done and we've actually done from time to time and stop him by trying to put him into a manageable <laughs> manageable you know manageable formula so that hey we got we have it figured out we have it figured out we don't have it figured out I have my wife figured out she doesn't have me figured out that's the only thing that's reassuring in my marriage that she doesn't have me figured out either so that's okay that's a good thing we don't have God figured out but we're walking in relationship with him and we're growing to love him more and we're allowing him to be who he is And we're going to keep going, and we're going to keep going, and we're not going to stop discovering, discovering all of the incredible things that God is. Let's pray. Jesus, we confess to you that we have tried to manipulate you to, to, to make our lives easier, to make things more comfortable.